Hello and welcome to Deluded, the Melbourne Demons fan podcast. I'm Kira Nye, and I'm here with the Melbourne supporters breathing a real sigh of relief, Nita Wright. Hello everyone. So Nita, what did you think? Not the greatest performance in the club's history. Look, it was horrendous. <laughs> Not for, as in, it wasn't as horrendous as it has been in yesteryears, because in past years we probably would have lost that and it would have just been incredibly depressing but I'm not gonna lie it was like four o'clock in the morning I probably had a couple of drinks and I was not in the mood to watch (laughs) terrible skill errors (laughs) and constant turnovers so yeah I was constantly reevaluating my life choices during the third quarter I'm not gonna lie how did you find it it was pretty grim it was pretty grim I mean it took me back to some of the worst times probably of perhaps even the Bailey era where we had a billion possessions but uh, the ball just went nowhere and you could just sense that the worst team was going to get across the line eventually. So bad. Uh, but but we won. We and, did. And maybe we're getting greedy. Maybe well, we're maybe. being too critical. I mean, <laughs> a win's a win, right? A win is a win. Four points is four points as the, they always say in the tautologies. <laughs> we haven't won round two apparently since 2005. That's outrageous. I can't even believe that. <laughs> Which is we remarkable. haven't run two, won two games in a row. To start off the season since 2005. It's, it's outrageous. It's outrageous. I was still in high school. <laughs> so was I. So was I. And we lost 9 out of 10 against Carlton, which I don't remember. I think I managed to blank out most of those I losses. I forgot as well. I remember we beat them uh, in 2000. It must have been 2014, right? Because that was a year... Under Ruse. Under Ruse, yeah. It was our very first year, right? And I think it was like... I think it might have even been our first win under Ruse. Mm, I think that's right. I think that's right. Because we had four wins that season. We had Carlton, Adelaide, in Adelaide, randomly. Who else? Essendon and GWS, I feel, maybe. Mm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure about that one. We'll have to go back to the history books. But we, yeah, it, it is quite ridiculous that we've had such a curse. <laughs> so so let's, start, let's, let's start with um, the positives from uh, not the greatest spectacle in history. So... Clayton Oliver. Love him. Start again. Yep. Um, The long-term listeners, of which there might be two or three perhaps. Of which there might be like one and that is your dad. My dad. um, Would remember that in week one I said that by the end of next year, Clayton Oliver would be the mess midfielder on our list. Might need to revise the prediction a little bit earlier. I know. By how about maybe by round ten he'll be our (laughs) most important player. Look, it's pretty extraordinary and they are very – reliant on him it feels because I mean they just are constantly handballing to him you know and, and just sort of picking him as the first option and maybe that's because he presents himself as a first option he's such hmm. a good player but even when it's not the best option, even when it is not the best option it's really odd that they have been doing that but I mean he's a gun he's an absolute gun I love him he just seems to have so much time I doesn't know he? he does yeah, yeah he's hard to tackle yeah uh, he's incredibly exciting so he was phenomenal he was um, great Jeff Garlett? Yes. Love the tackling pressure at the end. That was excellent. Right. And I think that's what was distinctive about him because we always knew that he could kick impressive goals. Yeah. But I don't think I've seen many run-down tackles from him. Um, I don't think I've seen any, to be honest. It's never really been a strength of his. No, but it was awesome. It is phenomenal. And if you look at the highlights, pretty Mm. much everything he does is exceptional. Yeah, he set up what's his first goal, didn't he? He set up what's his first goal. He was involved in... Uh, what's his second goal from the goal square that Neil Billen kicked to him? Mm. He kicked three goals of himself. Uh, he did everything. Yeah, he was great. He was the difference almost, actually, between the two teams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you, Carlton. Thank you, Carlton. Exactly. Um, 
Okay, so the final positive, I think, has to be the emergence of Christian Salem. So that's super exciting, I think, for the club because, I mean, Salem has just been riddled with injuries and has been in now the side for a couple of years now. So he just, he needs to be given a chance and his body needs to sort of be in a stable position. And it looks like that might, this year might be his year. Yeah, he's a very poised player. Very he, poised. he uses it extremely well. Um, he makes not, good decisions, yeah. He makes good decisions. I mean, he's not particularly quick, but he doesn't seem to get caught all that much now. He seems to have enough composure to get the ball off. He had a great tackle on Armfield in the Ford 50 at oh, yeah. the end of the game. That was a great tackle. Right, right, right. But um, but not just tackling, the fact that he doesn't get tackled himself. No, no, I know. I was more. just making an additional point, Kieran. Right, I see. <laughs> a valid point. Um, the question is, where do we want to play him? Yeah, see, I don't know. At the moment, I think, given, and this gets into the negatives in a second, but given that Lewis is going to be out for the next couple of weeks, I think he probably has to say down half bath just to keep, to marshal the troops, as they say, and to keep, you know, some, you know, cool heads on people's shoulders in the back line. Mm. Um, but I think eventually, yeah, he has to get into the midfield because we need someone of his class and his skills in the midfield. I think we've got a lot of very good raging bulls, but I'm not sure how many class he uses we've got. Right, right, right. I agree. We, we kind of need him everywhere. Yeah. Um, and it'll be interesting to finally get Oliver, um, sorry, not Oliver, uh, Vince, Lewis, uh, and Salem all playing in the one team. Yeah. But they seem to be making it hard for us. I uh, know. With some of these ridiculous actions. I mean, what did you think about the suspensions of uh, Lewis and Hogan? Oh. Uh, Lewis out for, um, for three weeks and Hogan for two. Look, I mean, I thought they were both ridiculous, really. It was just so unnecessary. They are both off the ball. Like, it's just the same with Vince. Like, I mean, it is extraordinary to think that we've had three players who have been suspended in the past two weeks for a total of six weeks. Right. Like, it's, it's ridiculous. It's extraordinary just to think that. Just completely dumb. Ball, I know, for all of them off the ball, it's ridiculous. It's just, it's so undisciplined. But, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I'm not sure what, the, what culture is being sort of cultivated at you know, at Melbourne. It's funny because I was saying to you earlier that Mark Neord used to always talk about how he wanted the D's to be the hardest team to play against. And now it's kind of like, okay, be careful what you wish for <laughs> because he's found a bunch of like hard nuts, but they're all just so incredibly hot-headed. Just need to channel the aggression. Better. Yeah, I know. And the thing that was frustrating about Lewis's reaction is he seemed to um, be more frustrated that he got three weeks. And just, <laughs> yeah. He seemed to think, oh, yeah, it was, wasn't that much. You know, I guess it was disappointing, I think, was his term. Yeah. Like, no, it's more than disappointing. It's stupid. It's yeah. so stupid. It was so stupid. Um, and, and just his performance in I general know. was very frustrating. I mean, last week it looked like he was about to dominate the competition. Maybe he still will, but that was just like a really weird performance from him. I was really confused. I mean, it kind of did remind me of the Essendon game, to be honest. He just, last year, lest we speak of it again, <laughs> most horrible. Lest we remember. Lest yeah. we remember, right? Um, it really did remind me of that. He just did not look happy at all. He was frustrated from start to finish. But I think he's just a, a very confidence-driven player, isn't he? Right. Like when he starts off missing a mark, I just think that that just, you know, it really sort of sends him in a little bit of a downward spiral for the rest of the game. I don't know. Do we need to send him to like a mindfulness retreat or something? But, but we yeah. need to, we need to get him up. Jesse needs to become a wellness warrior. And he... I mean, he can't be someone who gets so down on himself after a bad quarter that it throws him off uh, for the rest of the game. I mean, he was he was missing missing marks, which happens. That's okay. Yeah. But then the hit behind play at a really important moment yeah. when the tracker had the ball. And the rush behind thing. I mean, I might be in the minority here. 
Uh, everyone's you didn't saying, think it was a great act of sportsmanship? I mean, everyone's saying it is, but I'm sorry. In Australian football, there's no norm of signalling to the umpire a rush behind. I think that's... Well, wasn't he signalling to the other players, though, that he wanted them to organise behind... He was signalling to every man and his dog yeah, as a who rush was behind. He? Yeah, but that's true. But I guess I don't know who he was actually signalling to. I think if you're loudly saying in the goal square, it was touched. It was hard to tell what the goal umpire was going to do, but the goal umpire certainly didn't immediately signal touched. Yeah. When you have Jesse kind of bellowing, touch, 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 and then you look at the replay, I mean, it, it probably, I mean, it clearly was touched, but it wasn't like the, super obvious. No. Um, and maybe if we, if we got a bit of luck, it could have gone through. I mean, maybe I'm cynical. Maybe I, um, you know, I'm too, uh, too low in my expectations, but I figure, like, let the umpires do their job. Just call him Jesse Gilly Hogan, okay? Let him walk, <laughs> all right? Like... Give him a break. Cricket's a gentleman's game. I think what we saw from Jesse and John Lewis is football is not a gentleman's game. Definitely not the way we play it. No, definitely not the way we play it. So, I don't know. It is frustrating. And look, I love Jesse. This is not to to suggest that he's not um, a star player, but um, it shows that there's still a pretty big uh, discrepancy between his uh, good Jesse and bad Jesse. Oh, I think he's such a barometer for the team, though, to be honest. I mean, I think that there were a couple of games last year where... He didn't kick many goals, but we still got over the line. But I do think in general that when Jesse's on, in general, we're on as a team. And and we just weren't on at all on Sunday, Saturday. Um, or Sunday, whatever day it was. But, yeah, so, I guess that brings to the next question, though. Like, what is the real Melbourne? Is is the real Melbourne round one or is the real Melbourne round two? And I can assure you I don't know how many more nights I can stay yeah. up watching round two performances. I think the real Melbourne's closer to round one. Yeah. I think I think Carlton... It sounds like, um, I mean, obviously we watch the game on a, a computer in Washington, yeah. D.C., so we can't really see the, the forward structure, but it sounds like Carlton's set up really well. Yeah, um, they've got a good back line. They've got a good back line. Um, they repelled Melbourne's ability to move the ball quickly through yeah. the corridor. Um, and my feeling is that, you know, we'll we'll adapt our game style for games like that better. Yeah. Um, uh, so, but, I mean, Geelong's going to be the real test, right? Um, well, yeah, and before we get to that, though, let's let's just talk quickly about who were at, who was our Rowan Bale Award for the most underrated performance on the weekend? And for for new listeners, um, Rowan Bale, as we'll all remember, a classy half back, half forward, um, very underrated uh, skills. Um, he he hit the target at least at least sixty percent of the time. Um, a great tackler, I'd argue, uh, best tackler, or at least a top five tackler. Um, so he's, he's one of my favourites. No one else likes him. But we've, we've christened the Rowan Bale Award for most underrated performance. And I think, for me, it is a clear win to James Harms. I agree with that. I, no, I'm completely on the same page as you. I thought Harms was great. He was good, wasn't he? And, and to be honest, I wasn't really sure whether he'd fit into the team. I mean, obviously, um, Vince's suspension um, got him in there. But um, he's just – he attacks the ball hard. Mm. He – um, he sometimes it, makes mistakes, but I feel like he's making the right kind of mistakes. Oh, I agree. And he has so many great sort of goal-saving tackles and, you know, just plays that set up set up goals, like the one he – I think he – did he handball off to Jones and then got it back off mm. of Jones and then set up Tyson? I think that's right. Right. Fantastic um, piece of play. Great piece of play. I think he's – you know, I think he really showed a lot on the weekend. And, you know, and this is the thing. I mean, you can't really – drop him after this kind of performance. It'll make selection very interesting for Geelong for the Geelong game. Right, right, right. Well, we'll come to that shortly, but I just wanted to emphasise how ridiculous it was that Daniel Cherney in the age didn't even have harms in the best players, when I think he was clearly one of our top four, and he had Watts and Tyson in our best players. You're very angered by this, I, Was I watching a different game? No. <laughs> I mean, Watts got a pass from Garlett, incredible pass, kicked yeah. a goal from 20 metres, kicked a goal from the goal square, yeah. uh, which was just given to him. 
Um, he took a nice mark late in the fourth quarter, but yeah. I'd say it is one of his weaker performances. Oh, I'd say that, yeah, I completely agree with that. And I think Tyson turned the ball over a few times. He definitely wasn't as good as yeah. Harms was. I mean, Tyson yeah. got the ball, but I mean, I just think it shows that sometimes these flashy players get all the attention. And good, honest tries like, like Rowan, Rowan Bale, Bale and, uh, <laughs> and James Harms get forgotten. Is this going to soon become the James Hart Award, Harms <laughs> Award for most underrated player? No, I think James Harms will actually become rated at okay, some point, un- unlike Rowan Bale. Got it. Um, um, okay, well... Let's, on that note of poor journalism and, you know, inaccurate reporting, move on to award the Damien Barrett Award for Excellence in Football Journalism. And interestingly enough, this week's award for the Damien Barrett uh, Award for Excellence in Football Journalism goes to none other than our favourite Damien Barrett. So he won the award for this passage in an article that was on the AFL website today, which was about... The Get Ruse project is underway. So it's just about how Collingwood or Gold Coast is going to try and lure Ruse to the club. And he had this one paragraph, which is so poorly written and unsubstantiated. He says, Jesse Hogan would have returned to Perth, some are now saying, had Ruse stayed. Other players would have sought new homes. It has been stated from within. Where are the, Where is this coming from? Like, how can you just write stuff with no proof whatsoever based on nothing aside from rumour? It is extraordinary. And this is on, like, an official website. Well, yeah, it's incredible um, saying things like, it has been stated, or they're now murmuring, or yeah. some are now saying. That is just complete bullshit. Yeah. That could just be anyone. Did that could be Daniel Barrett saying this to himself. <laughs> exactly. Murmuring to himself late <laughs> exactly. at night. What random crap can I fill a column with? It's unbelievable. Do you think he'd get a gong at the New York Times, or do you think that they would probably <laughs> reject it's, him? It is truly ridiculous so that bad. that kind of thing can, can pass for journalism. I agree. That's not journalism. It's um, embarrassing. So this week's winner, Damien Barrett, and we suspect he's probably going to win his, the, the award <laughs> quite <laughs> often this year. Um, all right. Well, let's talk about the round three preview. So we've got a few outs. We do have some outs. We do have some outs. So Lewis and Vin- Lewis, Lewis and Hogan are going out. So who replaces them here? Well, I mean, so I think it's put simply, Lewis clearly goes out, Vince comes in. Yeah. Um, so you have one reckless behind the player act for another. Yeah. Let's just substitute nice, like, nice for like. Yeah, like for like. Yeah, exactly. But I think that'll be okay. I mean, Vince was exceptional in round one. So yeah, I great. think that'll be a good, good inclusion. Hogan being out um, will be interesting. And Nita, your theory is that this might not hurt us that much against Geelong. Well, I mean, we did win that infamous, infamous, we, did, we, we won that famous game down at the Cattery a few years ago without Hogan. So, I mean, mm. it can be done, and it has been done at on like one occasion. <laughs> well, but the thing about the Cats is they do have good key defenders. Yeah. I think Harry Taylor, um, who seems to have moved back um, yeah, more he's permanently last week, yeah. um, will we'll do a very good job against any of our forwards, including Hogan. Yeah. So perhaps going a bit smaller, playing like a Dean Kent. Uh, oh, I love Dean Kent. Yeah. I think it's a good option. I mean, at least if they go a bit smaller then, you know, the, the Cats' backline isn't quick. So mm. we'll just have to rely upon Kent and Gart to produce the goals. And obviously the midfield is really... Right. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, Tui's fairly quick, but yeah, other than that, I mean, Mackie's slowed down. Yeah, Mackie's definitely slowed down. Um, I mean, you know, the Taylors and the Lonigans, they're all, you know... They're all good one-on-one they're, defenders. They're good they're one-on-one quick. tall defenders, yeah. but they're, they're pretty lumbering. I reckon yeah. we're trying to beat them for pace. Well, I mean, if we do, that's one option. The other option is Big Jakey comes back into the Big team. Big Pencil. Big Pencil. We've been waiting all year to see him. There's been enough media conjecture about him being in the team 
during the JLT series. So it all comes down to the haircut. It yeah. really does. It looks he so looks, much more believable. I know you kept saying that to me. He kept saying that he just looks like a ruckman now <laughs> because of his hair. Um, so, I mean, if he comes into the team, I guess you just push Max to full forward and just ask him to outmark everyone, which is, you know, very possible. But I, I don't know if that's a good option for us, though. I, I think maybe we need to stay... I don't know. I think maybe we need to try and just a, a different tactic rather than just, you know, sticking Gorn in the forward 50 and just hoping that he marks everything. Yeah, I think we want Gorn to be rucking as much as possible. I agree with It's that. not like Geelong has a particularly great ruck combination. They're solid enough. Well, I mean, I'm not sure even who their ruck combination is going to be this week, if they play Zach Smith or not. Right, 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 exactly. I mean, Blitzards isn't a bad player, but yeah. I don't mind Watts pinch, pinch hitting here and there. Yeah. I mean, it's not the greatest look, but I think if Gorn can ruck most of the game, does Spencer give us enough around the ground? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I think we'll get more value out of a Kent. Well, I mean, the question is, is though, what happens to some of our players, though, who were a bit down last week? So, like, the Mitch Hannons of the world after a blistering round one. What happens I, to him in round two? I think he looked okay. I mean, he jumped really well at the ball. He, he looked does. like he could, he could take a few screamers. I think we persist with him for at least five or six weeks. I think he was very handy. Five or six weeks. Absolutely. He's a young player with a lot of promise. Yeah. I don't think we have like a million replacements that are like bashing down the door. I mean, someone, some have talked about Tim Smith. Yeah. What's the deal with him? He's meant to be a, you know, a promising player, a little, mm. a little bit older, mature body. I mean, I've only seen like a little VFL clip of him, so I don't know much about him. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, if he's what playing well. What about Tommy Bug? Is he going to come back into the side? I mean, Justin Plapp was full of you know, compliments. Yeah. I mean, my feeling on Bug is that he's too good for the VFL. I'm not sure if he's quite good enough to be a regular in the AFL. Maybe if there's injuries. Or I'm there's just a not sure what role. his role is in our team. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know either. I mean, maybe he could become a small defender. Maybe he could become a tagger. There was some play, but I mean, this is the thing. A lot of players were very much down last week, so maybe it's harsh to cut anyone given that oh. everybody was bad. Yeah. I don't think you'd you know, go there was literally like three week. players who were decent. Yeah. 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 So maybe it's too premature. But I think you probably just take out the suspended players and yeah. back in the rest of them. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. So, so, Nita, do we win the game? Oh, look. I mean, wishful thinking. So Geelong has A graders, obviously, but we have more depth, I think, around the midfield and around the rest of the ground. So we'll see how that sort of pans out. I'm not sure how – how does Tom McDonald usually go on Tom Hawkins? Not great from memory. Not amazing. Yeah. Not amazing. Yeah. Um, doesn't fill me with huge confidence. Yeah, yeah. Geelong has a lot of weapons. Mm, um, they do. But, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I think I think considering the outs, we'd probably lose. But I'd be happy if we just lose in a close game. Yeah. So I think Geelong's a good team. I don't think we're that far off them, but I think they've got I a agree. little bit more class. Well, I also just think that, as North Melbourne showed last week, I mean, they were destroying them in the first half. Mm. So it is possible. And, you know, it was only in the last quarter that Selwood and Dangerfield came alive. So, I mean, if we can shut down their run, if we can somehow, somehow stop Dangerfield and Selwood, you know, that's really the key. And I'm looking for Jack Viney to have a huge game. Yeah. He's been one who's, I mean, he's been, he's been perfectly fine, but he started a little bit slowly by his standards compared to last year. Yeah. Um, Maybe this is going to be the week where he'll just explode. I hope so. I mean, I think that's right. I feel like so far our best players for the year have been Oliver, Jones, um, mostly Oliver and Jones, really. They right. were two consistent performers in those two games, I think. Yeah, I think they were the standouts. Yeah, so. I agree. I've liked Tom McDonald's season as well. Yeah, too. I think that's right. But, um, yeah, I think we need we need more from the midfield. I mean, hopefully Tyson gets, some, gets into some form this week as well. He started to look better at the end of the game, I thought. Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. So I, I think it'll be a tight game. I'm tipping... Geelong to, to pip us by about 15 points, but it wouldn't shock me if we win either. I think we've got the tools. Um, I thought you never tipped against Melbourne. Well, that's true. 
That's mm. true. No, no, I'm on the air. So no. I'm going <laughs> to stick to my predictions. Um, yeah, so I guess that's it for um, for week three of Deluded. Uh, thank you to all of our regular listeners. Yes. To the um, uh, to people who have been sending us uh, comments, uh, big names like Louis Robertson, David Vu, thank you for your thoughtful suggestions. Uh, my dad, thank you for listening repeatedly. Um, we'll be in your podcast feed a couple of days after every game, unless it's a terrible loss, in which case we might take an extra few days to mull. Yeah, and I'll probably be really depressed, so apologies if I sound very morose on those days as well. We need to essentially time the podcast for yeah, Nita's, Nita's mood. pretty much, yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, if you have any comments about the podcast, we'd love to hear from you. Um, our email is deluded1964 at gmail.com. I did not know we had that email, but I really we, like it. We do now. Yeah. Um, you can tweet us at deluded. Uh, please send us our first ever tweet. Please do. And we'll learn how to respond to it. Yes, and hopefully we can turn that deluded1964 to deluded2017. <laughs> um, so thank you all for joining us, and we will speak to you after the Ds beat the cats. Go Ds. Go Ds. <laughs>